the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a Friday. Good to have you with us. Final show of the week. Uh, got a full show for you today. Uh, we'll have some folks from Safe Haven Baby Box uh, uh, companies join us here in the first half hour. Uh, second half hour, uh, we'll hear from Lance Hines from the City Council of Little Rock. Uh, he's got some things he wants to talk about. 7 o'clock, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett will join me. They'll be with me until 8.30, and we'll talk about a whole lot of stuff. I mean, we got to talk about this, uh, you know, rioting and and arson and, uh, you know, looting that's going on in Minnesota uh, that are going on. And then I want to talk about, you know, down in Phoenix, they're, they're trying to have a, a march, and they tell them they can't because it's an unnatural march. What is an unnatural march? Uh, the, the Constitution, uh, you know, protects our right to to uh, say that we can get together and, and complain about our government. Uh, there, that doesn't mean we have the right to, you know, to block streets or to set buildings on fire or things of that nature. Uh, they were trying to, to to show their disapproval of what happened in Minnesota, and uh, just that weird statement was used. I want to talk about that. So we'll talk about that. And uh, China, uh, of course, with Robert and Chris as well. Those are uh, two big topics that sit on the table for today. I'll also talk to them a little bit about SpaceX, uh, the uh, next uh, available launch date is on Saturday at 1 o'clock our time. So uh, we'll look uh, about talking uh, to them about that. 8.30, uh, Matt Smith, where are we as far as the movie theaters go? There's only a few open, and Matt owns them all here in central Arkansas. So we're going to talk to him uh, about that and when we might be able uh, to uh, see some brand-new uh, product come out for the theaters as well. But we've been talking about this baby box. The big story is that last week uh, here in Arkansas, we made history as the first newborn was legally surrendered under uh, Arkansas safe haven law in a safe haven baby box at fire station number three down in Benton. The uh, safe haven baby box at this fire station was the first to be available in Arkansas last September. And, you know, we talked about that. We had folks on uh, 
Kelsey was on with us, and I understand that she's going that she's waiting to talk to us on the phone. We'll get to her in just a second. Uh, it was the fifteenth safe haven baby box to be installed in the United States, and this is the seventh uh, newborn to be surrendered inside a safe haven baby box. So, uh, founder and CEO. Uh, Monica Kelsey is with us. Hey, Monica, how you doing? It's been a while since we talked, but this is a a good reason to get back together and and talk about this great uh, uh, program that you have. Yes, thank you so much for having us on this morning. Yeah, so uh, there's been like, I think, seven now babies surrender to the safe baby boxes. I'm going to ask you kind of for my listener's sake who may not remember because uh, so much stuff happens uh, in between stories. Why don't you bring them up to date about what it is that you're doing and then bring them up to date on about uh, what happened down in Benton? Yeah, absolutely. So our organization is, we're based out of Indiana, um, but we're nationwide and we're, we're changing the laws in multiple states to allow a woman uh, who wants to surrender her child who doesn't, you know, doesn't want or can't care for the child to uh, be able to legally surrender in a safe haven box um, and allow this mother 100% anonymity. And Arkansas um, passed a law last uh, legislative session of 2019. We installed the first baby box in Benton um, back in September of last year. And we've been working with multiple communities in Arkansas to bring more boxes to Arkansas, but we're very pleased um, to have the very first baby uh, saved in Arkansas last week. Um, the baby boxes are designed um, to be placed in the exterior wall of a fire station or a hospital. And there's multiple alarms on them. They're heated. They're cooled. It's very safe for a newborn. And the newborn is only in the the baby box for right about an estimated time of about two minutes. So it's very quick. Mom places baby in the box. And then on the inside of the fire station, one of the firefighters pulls the baby from the inside and uh, and then renders care. And um, um, we have currently 25 boxes across the United States and in multiple places. Um, We've got... Uh, we're working with, I would say, probably 40 more locations in multiple states to um, place baby boxes in. And we're excited that, uh, that Arkansas has had zero abandonments since we launched last year in the state of Arkansas. So that's really where the success lies is no babies have been found in dumpsters. And, and this mom last week obviously placed her child in one of our boxes. And, you know, I want to personally thank her for that because she had all these other options, and she chose a safe one. Yeah, absolutely. We've all read the tragic stories of babies being found in plastic bags out in the woods and uh, finding babies, as you said, in dumpsters and things, in, in bathrooms and all kinds of things. Uh, and, and this gives a, a way for the mother, for whatever reason, who feels like they can't handle a, a newborn, uh, they can't handle the mouth to feed or they just don't want to be, as they think, burdened by a, a new life. Gives them uh, an opportunity to drop a, a child at one of these sites and the, the child will be safe and the mother keeps her anonymity and can uh, go on with her life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, we get 
we get tons of calls on our 800 number, which is a nationwide number. And, you know, we're helping women behind the scenes as well. And we've received over 5,000 calls on our 800 number. Oh, we've assisted 75 women um, to, uh, to uh, we basically uh, walked alongside them as they surrender their child um, by doing the face-to-face interaction. So that's uh-huh. just as important. Um, but then the boxes, of course, give that one, 100% anonymity to where no one sees the mother um, and gives her a sense of peace, knowing that her identity will never be identified. Yeah, they won't be identified, but it also gives them the peace. I mean, they, you know, most women, I've got to feel, don't want to just put the child somewhere that they know the child's going to die. I mean, it takes, it takes all of that, uh, you know, feelings that you're going to have of, of uh, you know, you let a child die and things of that nature. You don't have to live with, with all of that. Uh, you can move on and know that the child was taken care of. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm a firm believer that these mothers who, you know, um, who are in this, this crisis, it's not that they don't love their child. Um, they absolutely do. They're just in a crisis that you and I, they may never understand. Yeah. And and so giving them this option, this safe and legal and anonymous option is crucial for these moms. And uh, And last week proved it here in Benton. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, we talked about this back in uh, last year when you were here and that this was going to happen. And uh, I got to get a break in here. But when we come back, would you share your story one more time on the air about why you do this? Absolutely. I sure would. Okay, we'll be back. We're talking with... uh, uh, with Monica Kelsey here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She's been with us before. Uh, if you don't know the whole story about how the Safe Baby Boxes came about, we're going to tell you about it when we come back. 6.15 on a Friday morning. Thank God it is Friday. I'm glad that the week is over with. One less week of being shut down uh, from going to you know your favorite restaurant or whatever. Uh, getting closer to phase two, hopefully. Coming up in the next half hour, Lance Hines from the uh, city council will be with us. He's a, a city council member from the west side of the city. and He'll join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Traffic weather, let's get to that right now on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, we'll get back to our conversation with Monica Kelsey in just a moment. First, I want to tell you today is the last day in our campaign to save the children uh, and and save the children's concentrating their efforts in the U.S. to give children the nutrition that they need daily. These children have relied on schools for the only nutrition that they get, breakfast and lunch. Then they go home and have to survive the night until they go back to school for another meal. Uh, We're talking about children in rural parts of Arkansas. And Save the Children is stepping in to provide these children with not only breakfast and lunch, but dinner as well. Today is the final day of our campaign. And for today only, your gift to Save the Children is increased tenfold. Uh, What you have to do is call a special toll-free number that I'm going to give you in just a moment. It's different from the number that I've mentioned to you uh, throughout this whole uh, giving to save the children campaign. And I want you to be aware of the impact of your gift today because every dollar you give is increased by tenfold. I mean, it's simple math. If you give $25 
it's going to be worth $250. $50, $500. $100 becomes $1,000. Call right now. All right? I want you to call right now and dedicate uh, some money to save the children. Uh, that number is one 800 520 1-800-520-2649, or click on the banner on uh, 1011FMTheAnswer.com, and uh, there's a banner there for Save the Children, and uh, this special, you know, adding 10 times to what you're giving is over at midnight tonight. So again, call 800-520-2649. 800-520-2629. Last segment of this half hour, uh, our special guest is uh, the CEO of, you know, Protecting Children with the Safe Baby Boxes, Monica Kelsey. She's been on the show before. We had her on when they were pushing for this law here in Arkansas, and we talked about the uh, the Safe Baby Box, and uh, it was put to use in Benton, in Benton, uh, here just uh, a day or two ago, and uh, a baby's life was saved because a mother used one of these Safe Baby Boxes, I think at Fire Station Number 3. In, in Benton. And uh, back with us here on the show is Monica Kelsey. And Monica has a powerful story about how this program came together. And Monica, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let you share it. And I, um, let me just say thank you for sharing this story once again. No, oh, you're very welcome, Dave. And and let me I'm going to have to take your listeners back quite a few years to, you know, August of 1972. Uh, when a young 17-year-old girl was was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And this, of course, was when abortion was illegal in our country. Uh, She pressed charges against a man who had raped her, and and he was arrested, and he was charged. And then if that wasn't the worst of it, she finds out she's pregnant. And uh, at the advice of her mother, she found herself at a back-alley abortion facility in October of 1972, And while um, standing in front of the man that was going to take her child's life, this 17-year-old girl was strong enough to stand up and say, I can't do this. And she left that facility and never looked back. Uh, She was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy and then gave birth in April of 1973 and abandoned her child two hours after that child was born. And that child was me. So my, uh, my biological father is a rapist, and I don't even know my ethnicity, but... I'm still a human being and I still have value and my life isn't worth less than yours simply because of the way I was conceived. And, and, you know, I, I, I travel the country um, speaking on the, the value of life and, and, you know, I want these mothers who utilize this law to understand that this is for them. There is no judgment here. There is no shame here. Um, and there is no names here um, that these boxes are safe, that if a mother chooses this, um, that, you know, she can walk away knowing that her child's life is going to be saved. And, and, you know, I was blessed to be adopted by two amazing parents who are still married today. They celebrate their 50 years um, uh, anniversary at the end of June. And, um, you know, I truly was blessed, Dave. I, I truly was. And, and to be able to put this program together for other mothers um, so that they, they have a safe place to surrender their child with no judgment um, is is 
you know, just a beautiful thing. Well, the, the bottom line, and people have got to, I think, understand this, it's not about blame. It's about what can we do for an unborn child and what can we do for, a, you know, a mother. I mean, what are the things that you can do to help these people? Let's talk about, you know, helping people, not about casting blame on people. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I you know... I'm sure that uh, perhaps some of these uh, these uh, moms that are going to give up their children uh, can use some, uh, you know, some help, some therapy and things of that nature. That's something we offer. Uh, some of these people are finding themselves in this position not because they want to be. I mean, uh, as you just said, uh, you know, rape and things of that nature. And then you have out of rape, you find out you're pregnant and. You know, now you got double, you got double the the amount of, uh, you know, people looking at you and saying, well, what did you do to, to bring on the rape and stuff? I, I mean, I've talked to people when you talk about rape and they and they say some of the most dumbass things I've ever heard. And I, I just look at them and I go, uh, no, nah, that's a that's a, a terrible crime. Uh, I, I think it's kind of worse than murder in my own my own mindset, just because the person who's been raped has to live with it for the rest of their lives. And I, I, I feel the same way about, uh, you know, pedophiles and what they do to children. And uh, but uh, the, the key is to protect the children. That's the key. You got you got a completely innocent, innocent entity here that didn't do anything except that it was conceived and it's been born. You got to do everything you got to do to take care of that kid. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I I look at my own life a lot and and I I think of, you know, how can I, you know, take this tragedy of mine and and make it better for other women? Because you're you're absolutely right. You know, Uh, people want to punish the child and not the rapist. And it's like, wait a second here. That's that's not how this works. Yeah, I agree. We we need to punish the rapist, not the child who is just an innocent bystander, an innocent victim. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, for for me, the only way I look is forward now. You know, I mean, um, I I have to look at what I can do for others and take my story and hopefully, um, you know, share it to where people will relate with me on a level of how much I really want to help. So, have you, um, have you been surprised uh, that this has been a little bit uh, tougher? You know. Uh, role than you thought it might be? I mean, I would think that this is such a great program. Every state that you show up in and you go and talk to their state representatives would want to throw their arms around it, but sometimes that's not the case, is it? No, and it's 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 mind boggling, Dave. It really it's you know, and and I don't you know when we when we go in, we don't put this on a pro life or pro choice you know um, circuit. This child is alive. This child is born. The women that we help, um, when they call us, they're either in labor, have just given birth, or they're about to give birth. Mm-hmm. And so the, these women are way past the you know the abortion part of this, and it's like this is not a debate. You know, um, so all we're doing is trying to allow a mother to safely and anonymously surrender her child and and not have any regrets. Um, And you're right. (laughs) It shocks me. Sometimes I go into a state and I'm like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about? You know, it's like and some of the arguments are so 
stupid. You know, like, you know, we, we advertise to save here in Benton. And one of the things people are coming after us about is, why are you saying this? It's anonymous. We should never be talking about it. I'm like, that's the problem, people, is no one's talking about it, which means people don't know about the law. And we're not revealing any identifying information. But this gives the opportunity for other mothers who might be in the same situation that didn't know what to do before now knows that there is an avenue for them at the Benton Fire Department instead of, you know, a dumpster or a trash can that that they have to live with for the rest of their lives. So, you know, I'm I'm, and I got to say, I'm so proud of the guys at Benton Fire Department. They're awesome. You know, I mean, I'm sure that they were crapping themselves when this was going on, you know, as soon as this baby's (laughs) place. And it's like they've never had one before. And now it's like. They, they handled it with such such grace, and they're just a great bunch of guys there in Benton. Uh, I love right. working with them. Well, Monica, I'm up against the news, so i got to let you go. You're one of my great heroes. Keep up the good work, and we'll uh, talk to you the next time you're through the area. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. All right. Monica Kelsey here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got news, and we've got Lance Hines joining us right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue the Dave Ellswick Show. Lance Hines, city councilman, uh, will be joining us here momentarily, uh, waiting for him to call in. And I I just want to take a moment to, again, uh, thank uh, Monica Kelsey uh, for joining us uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Many of us in the pro-life movement march and and, and vote uh, to do great pro-life things and and that's well and that's good Uh, but it can't just stop there folks it really cannot stop just there Uh, that unborn child that through your efforts uh, you know uh, as far as politically you've helped uh, save and things of that nature you have to make sure you have to make sure that uh, you know that there's still a, a, a human life that's been born and that human life is going to need help. And even before that human life is born, uh, the mothers many times are going to need help. They may need some place to, to stay. And maybe you've got an extra bedroom and, uh, you know, you live a fairly comfortable life. Uh, maybe what you need to do is to offer a place for that young woman to stay in, until the time that she goes to the hospital and the child is going to be born. Uh, that's part of being, as far as I'm concerned, as being pro-life. Uh, I've got my own family that has taken up my extra bedroom for right now, but that's going to open up again. And I may be going back to doing that. I did that back in the, uh, in the 80s, early 90s. Uh, and I may go back to doing it again and giving a an unwed mother a place to stay. Because I'm going to tell you what, people get weird about pregnancy. And, it, and typically when we have those, those, uh, those moments, it's because we feel that shame has been cast upon us. You know, our son is going to father an unwed un, uh, uh, he's not going to marry the, the woman that he's impregnated or whatever. Or we have a daughter who finds herself, uh, uh, you know, pregnant. And I, I'm going to you know, look, I've walked through that. And I can tell you, 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 you feel 
You know, you, you feel bad about it. Uh, you think that you've talked to your children enough that they know what sex does and what can happen, but uh, things happen at times. Uh, you know, keep your, keep your faculties about you. Throwing your child out of the home is not the way to go about things. It's just not the way to do it. Uh, but there are parents that do that, and uh, we in the pro-life movement have to be able to step up. We've got to be able to step up and help uh, in many ch- a chance a child having a child. All right, l- let's move on in our conversation. I could spend the next half hour or so just talking about the pro-life movement and the great things that we've done, uh, but I don't have the time right now. I've got Lance Hines with me on the phone. He is a city council member of here in Little Rock, West Side. Is that right, Lance? That's correct, Ward 5. Thanks, Dave, for having me on this morning. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you are coming out. I'm, I'm surprised that more city council members have not been speaking out about some of the things that are going on uh, here in this uh, in, in the city. I mean, I've been talking about uh, the, the governor, the governor, about the uh, mayor, Mayor Scott, uh, for a while now. I mean, mm-hmm. when he came out and talked about, you know, this tax increase that well, he's not talking about it now, but that he was talking about that he wanted all this right. extra money so he could build, you know, parks and this and that and whatnot. You know, I, I just scratched my head uh, about what kind of, you know, vision this man had because there's so many glaring problems in the city that need to be taken care of. And now we, we've, we've got a problem that has really made itself manifest, and, and that's with the police department and the police chief. I saw that another uh, member of the Little Rock Police Force is filing a, a lawsuit against the police chief. Is that right? Yeah, I saw yesterday another retaliation lawsuit from Captain Paxton, I think. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a constant drip that's turning into, it seems like, a, a, a flow now uh, uh-huh. with everything that's going on. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll speak up for uh, for my fellow directors, uh, Director Peck, uh, Director Adcock, and Director Wyrick have all spoken up that they don't have confidence in our police chief. And I'm going to continue to beat that drum and hopefully uh, – I know we've probably got two or three other directors who who I know have spoken privately to the mayor that they think the chief needs to go and and uh hopefully they'll start speaking out as well. So it's uh it's a serious situation uh when you have dysfunction at the top level of your police department uh it it makes it very difficult to be effective. Uh, when your command structure is in shambles right now, and you got to understand that uh, command structure at the we've got we've got the chief, three assistant chiefs, and then you have your captain. And if you've noticed, we've had two assistant chiefs, and now two or three captains file lawsuits uh, for retaliation against the chief. Right. Yeah, this is a serious situation because if the command structure uh, doesn't trust the people within the command structure, how well will your department run? I mean, that's the question you got to ask, and that should be the question that the uh, the mayor is asking at this time, is it not? Uh, well, you would seem to think that, but I, I think it's either ego or 
or the mayor's scared of what uh, the chief might say if he fires him. I think, uh, you know, I've had huh. talked to folks that are outside that, you know, think think it's really just the mayor's ego that won't let him get rid of this chief. And, you know, I'm on the other side of that. I think that he's, I think there is some ego involved, but I think he's really, uh, I think he's really scared of what the chief might say about why the chief was hired. And, and this, everything that's going on right now goes back to the firing of uh, officer Starks. That's the yep. root cause of all this. And, you know, the, the, You'll see some that have tried to say that it's sour grapes because Chief Pinks and Chief Falk didn't get the job, but I can tell you that's not the case. Those two are, you know, 30-year-plus veterans of our department. They care for our department, and they, they're professionals, and just because they didn't get the job, that has nothing to do with this. None of this started until uh, the Civil Service Commission hearing when uh, the command structure basically went against what the chief did in firing Officer Starks. Yeah, so that brings up an interesting question then, Lance. I mean, what, uh, I mean, could the mayor also be afraid that to fire the police chief, the, you know, stuff starts coming out about how the Starks firing went down and uh, how they kept yeah. trying to keep him out of his job. I mean, it could become a real messy, you know, uh, story that comes out that uh, shows that maybe you weren't doing the job that you were supposed to be doing. Yeah, no. And I, and I think that's it. And, and I think it'll, it'll probably come out that the, that uh, the only reason that, that chief Humphreys was hired is he's the only one that answered the only question the mayor cared about, which is who are you going to fire first? And we know Mm -hmm. that based on some testimony that that question was asked of at least one of the candidates for the job. And I imagine it's probably was asked by all of them. And the honest answer to that is I can't tell you if I would fire officer Starks because I haven't seen the investigative file because at the time that, that, that investigative file had not been completed. Yeah, but the, the key of that is, is that everybody that was involved, and there were so many people involved in that, who said, yeah, he did he did some stuff that we didn't want him to do, but it wasn't fireable. That's He should never have lost his yeah. job. He should have stayed where he was. But this, this, uh, this mayor cast himself with a guy that was hijacking cars and stuff. That I still don't understand. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Uh the the guy in question had a gun in the car. Yeah. Uh, the, his passenger <laughs> exits the car in the video and says, "He's got a gun. He's got a gun." Uh, I, I think, uh, and she she knew of of, of what his intent was, uh, uh, based on his action. You know, I think she feared that <laughs> something bad was going to happen too. But uh, you know, I think it it's just a a case of. Uh, I don't know if the mayor was scared of, you know, what we've seen happen in Minneapolis right now and, yeah. and, and Ferguson. Uh, but, you know, you, you never make decisions based out of fear. You make uh-huh. decisions based on what the right decision is. And, and uh, you know, I, I think I think the general public, every one of those situations is different. And you're dealing with somebody that was in a stolen car and did not have a sterling reputation and, uh as we've seen from the video, would not exit the car, would not fall, you know, would not comply with a lawful order. 
And I think at the end of the day, that's it. I think I think the majority of us uh, law-abiding citizens, if we get into a situation with a police officer, we're gonna we're going to abide by that. And I, I think that's the thing that gets missed in all of this is that when you're having an interaction with the with the police officer, and my father always taught me, yes sir, no sir, and you do exactly what the police officer asks you to do and everything will be fine. But we, we've got a generation now that's been taught you don't have to comply with law enforcement orders, that law, law enforcement are bad people, and, uh, you know, they, they totally ignore the fact that in most cases, if you just comply with what the officer's asking you to do, you're not going to have a bad outcome. It's, it's when you have failure to comply that a lot of this stuff happens. And I would agree. Lance Hines is my guest, 5th uh, District uh, uh, member of the city council. We're going to continue our conversation after a break. i got to do another break for your traffic and weather. Let's get that done. And then when we come back, how is this going to all reflect and splash back on the mayor? Let's talk about that as we continue this discussion on the Dave Ellswick Show. Traffic and weather right now on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Hey, don't forget, today is the last day in our campaign to save the children. Uh, Save the Children is concentrating their efforts here in the United States to give children the nutrition they need daily. You know, many children have relied on schools for the only nutrition that they get during the day, breakfast and, and lunch. Then they go home and have to survive the night until they go back to school for another meal. Uh, We're talking about children in rural parts of Arkansas, and Save the Children is stepping in to provide these children with not only breakfast and lunch, but dinner as well. Today is the final day of the campaign, and for today only, you make a gift to Save the Children. It's increased tenfold. That's right. You call the special toll-free number I'm going to give you in just a second. And uh, what they'll do is take your donation and plus it times 10. Uh, you know, it's simple math. You give $25, it becomes $250. Uh, $50 would be $500. $100 becomes $1,000. will not you give today knowing that every dollar you give becomes $10? Here's the number you got to call. 1-800-520-2649. or click on our banner here on our station website, 1011fmtheanswer.com, and uh, click on the banner. It says Save the Children, and you can give there as well. Uh, This plus $10, all right, or times 10, uh, is over at midnight. So make your money speak loud, all right? 800-520-2649. 800-520-2649. All right, that's for Save the Children. Lance Hines, our guest. We're going to finish up our conversation with him. He's the Ward 5 uh, City Council member. Uh, he's on the west side of, uh, of Little Rock. And uh, Lance, uh, this whole thing that's going down with the police chief, when, you know, when does the uh, very, very real thing that we know that the force itself does not have a lot of faith in this guy start washing over into the uh, the mayor's office well i mean I, I made it real clear in an interview with channel four yesterday that uh you know before uh when the city manager did the hiring 
uh, it only took six or seven of us going to the city manager saying, you know, the chief needs to go, and it got taken care of. I can tell you that every – there's a majority of the city directors that have have been whispering in Mayor Scott's ear that this police chief needs to go for several weeks now, and that's why some of us have gone public is because the mayor is not listening to us. And right now – Let let me stop you just for a second. It ultimately falls to the mayor. Yeah, what's the mayor saying back to you? Does he does he even oh, realize the, there's a the, problem here? Well, oh yeah, no, but the the mayor is is trying to look at at uh, at uh, point the finger in other directions. Uh, his comments to me are, you know, there, there's a lot of people with dirty hands in this situation. That's why, you know, the the internal investigation you want to do is not into the police chief, it's into the whole police department. Well, we we've already got Kalia certification and the DOJ is already taking a look at us and, and we're good. Um, w- what the mayor's trying to do, I think is he's, he's going to try to take out every officer he can that that's on the other side of this issue. And, and he has doubled and tripled down with this, this police chief. And, and I think it's because there, there's no firewall between him and the police chief. He took over the police department, the fire department, public works, finance and HR. And there's an HR investigation going into sexual harassment claims against the chief right now that I've heard. I'm waiting to see the letter that was sent to the FOP representative that basically said, we're not going to interview any more witnesses that you told us about because we think they're going to say the same thing. And, and we're, we're closing this investigation into sexual harassment. And so I can't believe an HR professional would send that kind of letter out. You would never do that in the private sector. That That's begging for an EEOC uh, lawsuit against the city for failure to to uh, provide you know a hostile you know that that goes to terms of not protecting people against the hostile workplace. Yeah, but, yeah. I, th- I think ultimately the public's going to have to start voicing their opinion down at city hall on what they think because I'm hearing it from all my constituents. Uh, I'm hearing it from family members of police officers. I'm hearing from police officers privately that none of them want to want to step out and be public because they've already seen what's happened to other officers who've gone against the chief. And, uh, you know, they've all been retaliated against from what I hear. Yeah, well, that's a good question. If uh, he's retaliating against his fellow brothers and sisters in blue, how would he retaliate against a citizen? Right. Well, uh, you know, the, the good news is the chief's not out patrolling the streets. And uh, based on what you're seeing from the FOP now, one of the other things that's happened is the BPOA and Judge Mar- uh, retired Judge Marion Humphrey are trying to say this is racial, but I don't know how you do it when the majority of the plaintiffs are African-American. Yes. Uh, what they're trying to do is, because the FOP's gotten involved, they're trying, you know, there's some that view the FOP as a racist organization. Wow. And, uh they're they're trying to because that's the only card they've got left to play. They they can't they can't base anything on the facts. They've basically got to play the race card in order to try to throw shade in another direction. So you're not looking directly at the police chief. And, and there's there 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 is no racism involved in this. You've just got a police chief who's who probably shouldn't have been hired and uh, a mayor who won't who won't you know he wants to tell you he's the CEO and be a big man on campus and, and do the hiring, but, but he won't make the difficult decision of admitting he probably made a mistake in hiring this guy. Uh-huh. And, 
and, and get rid of him. Um, but we're going to I'm going to continue to speak out publicly and go on radio shows like yours and, and keep the pressure turned up. And hopefully the general public will start uh, coming down and, and doing citizen communication and say that they've lost faith in our police chief as well. All right. We are we've run out of time here in this half hour, Lance. Let's uh, keep in touch. Uh, anything new starts popping up about this, you give me a call. We'll make sure there's a microphone available to you or to any of the uh, city uh, directors. If they want to come on and, and talk about this, we're more than happy to do that. And we'll reach out to the mayor and see if he'll like to come on and maybe talk about it as well. Thank you for your time. You have a great weekend, brother. Yeah, I know. I've already tried to have you on. All right. We'll talk to you later. We appreciate it. All right. Lance Hines here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, starting to get uh, getting hot, and when when it gets hot, uh, you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do as a, as the mayor of the city. If uh, your hierarchy in your police department is telling you you got some real problems with your police chief, and maybe you even have bigger problems with uh, an HR complaint that's sitting out there, and I'll look into that as well. Uh, it uh, is going to get interesting to see what the mayor does. All right, so Dave Ellswick Show, when we come back, I'll continue talking a little bit about this. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are getting ready to come on. Uh, I'm sure they're listening right now because they tend to listen towards the end of a, of a segment to see if there's anything that a, a cover will want to cover going into when they come on. So we'll see what they have to say. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. It's a Friday. Isn't it great? It's a Friday. And the first hour is done. Second hour coming up. Robert Steinbeck and Chris Corbett here on the Dave Ellswick Show. seven o'clock hour first hour if you missed it you need to go back and listen to the uh the replay later today because it was a good first hour a lot of great information uh we were lucky to have on once again uh monica kelsey from uh safe box baby safe box and uh, as you heard in the first half hour down in benton it was it was used and a baby's life was uh, saved uh, down in the Benton area, uh, where a woman can come with uh, complete, uh, be completely autonomous, and put her, her 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 newborn baby in that box and and leave it at the fire department, and then uh, it's taken care of until people can come and uh, secure, secure the child and and, and help them out. Uh, and then in the last half hour, Lance Hines was on. Uh, city council member from uh, the 5th District, the west side of Little Rock, and didn't he have a lot of interesting things to say? Uh, I'm uh, 
I'm, I'm, Chris Corbett hasn't joined us yet, so I'm I'm sending him in all caps. Wake up! I'm yelling at him right now to wake up and call. And in, you should and call in. But anyway, here we go. Robert Steinbach is here with us. Uh, our our law professor. He joins us every Friday, starting at seven o'clock. And I know you didn't get to hear that interview, but let me just uh, no. I, I'll, I'll just paraphrase it for you real quick. Please, please. Lance Hines contacted me a couple of days ago. We agreed to have him on uh, today, this morning, uh, to talk about what's going on with the police chief, because there's <laughs> no been kidding. there's been a whole lot of uh, officers. And they're not white officers for the most part. It's black officers for the most part that are uh, bringing uh, lawsuits against them and saying that, uh, you know, they have told the truth and things of that nature in this whole. It's Starks, right? The guy that they got fired and and all. But during this whole Starks uh, investigation and now uh, the chief is retaliating against them. And so they they're suing about this retaliation. And, uh, you know, Lance says that a lot of members of the city council have gone to the mayor to talk to him about it's time that, you know, you got to you got to, you know, cut bait with this police chief Mm -hmm. and get a new police chief. And uh, he's not willing to do it. And Lance Hines said here on the air just a few moments ago, uh, you know, there's one of two reasons involved with this he said it could be that you know he's afraid that uh, if he if he doesn't uh, uh, hold on to the police chief it makes him look bad because he's the one who hired the police chief and uh, the second issue and which i think maybe has more validity is that the police chief has been involved with this uh, whole deal uh, of Starks from the very beginning, and would he talk out of class? In, in, in other words, would he start saying, uh, say something to the, the, the mayor, well, you let me go, and then I'm going to let everybody know all the truth behind all of this. And, uh, and, and, and Lance Hines kind of, I think, leans towards the second one, uh, uh, you know, as far as that. Plus, Lance said that, Evidently, there's a letter in HR uh, about sexual harassment that hasn't been made public yet. So now we got things getting in, getting really, really bad. And it's not just like two or three city council members, according to Lance Hines. It's the majority of the city council that is saying that it's time for this police chief to go. So uh, you've been watching all of this kind of. You've been, you and I have kind of talked about this, oh, but not very closely. Very yeah. closely. And and it, it, it's it's looking like uh, it's coming to a head. What do you think, Robert? There was an article in yesterday's paper, very good article in yesterday's Democrat Gazette, that talked about all of the issues that this chief is facing, and I'm amazed he's still there. And I think your description is exactly right, meaning uh, why hasn't the mayor done something? Now, so far, I'm no fan of the mayor. I think he's a lousy mayor. Let me say that very clearly. I think the mayor of Little Rock is a lousy 
mayor. Part of the reason I think he's a lousy mayor is because he brought in this lousy police chief who every time we turn the corner seems worse and worse. I have not met a beat officer who've said, who has said something positive about uh, this chief, and I've asked many in the past. And that's before, that's, you know, as of two months ago. You know, because I haven't been out of the house. Well, I've been out of the house, but I haven't been interacting with people <laughs> outside of the house, um, uh, you know, in, in a close contact to talk to them about things like this. So as of two months ago, I haven't met a beat officer who had something positive to say about this police chief. This police chief had had. Uh, let's start at the beginning. He issued a political retaliation against Starks to fire Starks, notwithstanding the evidence and notwithstanding the recommendation of every member on uh, uh, the police force who evaluated the case. He did so uh, in, uh, based, I believe, uh, in one or two forces. One, his own view of what would be good for him or and or uh, what would be uh, politically good for the mayor. And it's an open question whether the mayor directed him to do so, because there are indications that the mayor had been excessively involved in making that determination. Uh, thereafter, when Judge Fox, who, by the way, is a big lefty, Judge Fox is a big lefty, so don't start thinking, oh, well, he got some conservative judge who reversed him. I started to say, well, Judge Fox uh, reversed the decision of the city. He That's said, right. no dice. Starks comes back to work. And Judge Fox is a big lefty. So he didn't do it for political reasons. And Starks puts, uh, excuse me, Fox puts Starks back on the force. And then they refused to give him his badge and his gun. Uh, are you kidding me? They they literally refused to give him his badge and his gun. And so Starks goes back to court and Fox orders the uh, police to give him back the badge and the gun. Incidentally, he says to the police chief, I'm going to take away your badge and your gun, which I don't think he can actually do. I don't <laughs> think he has authority over that. Uh, but the substance was correct. I mean, the, the order in terms of telling him, you better give Starks his gun and his badge. Because remember, you know what the claim by uh, um, the city was? Oh, well, we, we were ordered to take him back as a cop. That doesn't mean we need to give him a badge and the gun. That, that reminds me of when uh, Jay Leno took over for Conan uh, on The Tonight Show. And uh, then they moved Conan to the later spot. And he said, but I got a contract for The Tonight Show. And they said, oh, yeah, we're just going to make the, the later show now, The Tonight Show. He goes, no, 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 no. The Tonight Show is the 1130 show. You're moving me out of 1130. You're moving me out. Or, by the way, 1030 here shows yeah. you my East Coast background. Um, but uh, the, 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 he goes, you move me out of the 1130 Eastern Time spot. You're moving me out of The Tonight Show. And uh, they settled that case, I think, for 40 or $50 million. So I suspect that it turned out that Conan was right on that as well. So it's just, 
it's just a typical uh, um, behavior of these entitled uh, bureaucrats who think that they are little Caesars, not the pizza chain, by the way, uh, and they're entitled to wave their hand and, and put their thumb up or, or down and determine the fate of individuals with no oversight. And now this police chief has continued what has happened. There are claims that the very people who didn't agree with him in firing Starks were retaliated against for telling the truth, as you pointed out. And there's some claim about him. It was in the paper yesterday. Some claim about him hiring somebody um, without following the rules, uh, some friend or something like that, a friend of a friend. So this guy sounds like he's running uh, uncontrollably and someone needs to um, get a hold of it. And the mayor uh, is so feckless, the mayor uh, is unwilling to do his job. So he said, well, you know, we're, I'm going to appoint this uh, commission to look into it. Commission, do your job. Yes. Do your job. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing that I thought was interesting. It's just Lance Hines. And by the way, Chris Corbett is here. Uh, he's been staying very, just very uh, quiet, uh, quiet back there. I've been listening. Uh, I've been listening. Yeah. Well, Chris, we're talking about the chief of police here in, in Little Rock. Lance Hines uh, from the fifth, Ward 5 here in Little Rock on the city council is on my show, uh, literally calling for the police uh, chief's job, uh, as have other members, evidently, of the city council, because this police chief has been doing a lot of interesting and uh, questionable things, and uh, they're saying the man has to go. The mayor refuses to let him go, and there's a lot of uh, questions around this whole thing, and we'll get into them even more as we continue here. On the, have you been following this much uh, in the in the media? Absolutely, I have, Dave. Okay, well, let's talk about it some more when we come back. By the way, Robert Steinbach uh, is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the School of Law or of the, uh, the university. When we return, we talk more about what's going on in the police department and the mayoral's office here in Little Rock. But right now, I need to get you your traffic and get you your weather, and that's up now on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so uh, Chris is here, and Robert is here. I'm here. Uh, just uh, in the last half hour, Lance uh, was on with us here on the, the Dave Ellswick Show. Lance Hines, he's from the Ward 5. Uh, he's a city council member uh, saying that it's time for the police chief to go, saying that there's other city council members who feel the same way, and uh, we'll see if we can't get uh, some of those folks on as well about this. I'll put out a, a, a extend a hand uh, to the mayor, uh, you know, later yeah, this afternoon and see if he'll come on. Well, I'm not saying he'll come on, but at least I'll extend my it. hand and, and oh, see I if he wants to. We've got some big issues, big fish to fry today uh, when I've got, now that I've got Robert and Chris here. I mean, after we get done talking about this, which we still got a lot to talk about, uh, we want to talk about what's going on in Hong Kong with China. That's very, very important. The Dow uh, dropped over 150 points when uh, the president said he's going to have his press conference today about how he's going to react to what's going on in Hong Kong. So we got to we got to talk about that. And then 
you know, we got to talk about this whole thing about the president and social media and Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. th- this is a real, I think this is Pandora's box kind of stuff that's mm-hmm. being being mm-hmm. opened up, and we can talk about that. Uh, people might find it find my uh, my view on it a little bit different than what they think my view might be on it. But we'll we'll be back and and, and talk about that before the end before these guys are gone at eight thirty. You guys got up this morning, probably haven't even had your scrambled eggs yet, and you're wondering what have I gotten myself into. I do that every Friday morning, Dave. <laughs> there's just, every there's, time I talk to every time I'm on the Dave Ellswick show on one one oh one point one, I wonder what have I gotten myself into? All right. So let's go back and talk here about the, uh, why is the mayor, you know, spending so much political capital because that's what he's doing by protecting this police chief who is being sued by uh, a bunch of his uh, commanders and captains in the police force for retaliation. Why would you spend that much uh, political capital? Now, Lance Hines said he thought, uh, one, it's uh, ego. It could be ego uh, because mm-hmm. uh, the mayor hired this man. Now, if you mm-hmm. turn around and you fire him, you're you're admitting that you made a mistake. Or two, he said... Uh, he thinks he may be afraid that the police chief might let the cat completely out of the bag on the Stark situation and start saying, well, I just did what I did because the mayor told me to do it. And I think that that carries more weight than your pride. You know what I'm saying? What do you guys think? It could be both. It could be neither. Go ahead, Chris. Well, in, in, in looking at it, there's without a doubt uh, the police chief is gone. It's just a matter of time. And um, with four lawsuits pending, I haven't heard about the sexual harassment, harassment lawsuit. We've got uh, Finks, which is uh, one of the assistant chiefs. We've got Alice Falk, a former classmate of mine and graduate of Hall High School. She's an assistant chief. She sued um, the police chief. So we've got Finks. Suing. We got Folk suing, and now we've got a third lawsuit by a guy by the name of Captain Marcus Paxton. He's suing Chief Humphreys here, and it's outrageous. And then the fourth one is Starks, the guy that's being reinstated by Judge Fox. So it's just a matter of time before he's gone. And now for the for the feckless uh, city council to come out and, and think that they're making some brave stance to calling for his job, they should have done it. They should have done it months ago. Well, evidently, from what from what Lance said, they have been talking to the chief for weeks about this. Oh, really? Well, they're gonna yeah. give him a chance to re- give him a chance to resign. But uh, the city council—they're they're powerless. I mean, we got to get rid of this. This goes back to the city form of the city manager form of government. That's got to go. We need the, we need the we need one guy in charge. Uh, not the city manager, not the mayor, not the police chief, not the city council. We need we need the mayor that responds to uh, elections, that responds that can be booted out by a fair election. And and um, th- these individuals have their little fie- their little fiefdoms that they have control over. And um, it- it's out it's outrageous to me that Frank Scott hadn't done anything about this. He's going to sit by. He he may may go down with this ship if he doesn't stand up and do something. Um, 
and um, worry about what the chief may say or may not say, his job may be may be on the chopping block. I think well, Chris is right on the money with that one, by the way. <laughs> I think that the mayor should view Humphreys as a big anchor. So if you're going to chain your leg to it, guess what you do with anchors? You throw it overboard, and you go down with it. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's what Lance Hines was saying, that he doesn't want to fire the police chief because he may be, tacked, uh, you know, attached to uh, the police chief with what they did in this whole Stark situation. And, you know, he's denied that I told anybody to do anything kind of kind of uh, uh, defense. And maybe this breaks the dam and, uh, you know, whatever well, maybe he's he got to say remember comes the mayor is a guy that went and and spent what was it chris you, you could tell me something like a hundred grand 50 to 100 grand on an outside attorney at this big fancy tall building law firm downtown to persecute <laughs> starks because apparently their in-house attorney which is tom carpenter couldn't do it well enough tom carpenter by the way is the same guy who's busy violating our freedom of information act rights uh, and uh, seeking to make government less transparent rather than more transparent. So maybe the mayor realized you don't want someone like that doing the Starks case, or maybe the mayor just wanted to help his buddy out at this big, tall building law firm. But either way, I'm not too pleased that the mayor spent 50 to 100 grand to persecute Starks, only to lose, no less, uh, as he should have, to be clear. Chris, do you remember how much it was? Yeah, it was 50, like $57,000. There you go. There you go. $57,000. And the problem with that, too, is I don't actually think that Tom Carpenter works for the mayor. I think his contract's with the city, and he's hired and fired by the city council. So we got death by committee here. Um, We got the city manager that's hired and fired by city council. We've got, um, I guess, the mayor. You know, he's elected, right? But he's got this uh, bully, bully pulpit that he can say something or do something he really has no power i mean well he's but the mayor the mayor is over the police force over the fire department and over a lot of other departments Mm -hmm. it seems like he's he's waiting on the city council to do something um and um if he does have the power then man he's wrong he's 100 percent wrong by not getting rid of the police chief now we've got uh two assistant chiefs that can take over uh finks or folk they both applied for the job and didn't get it when they brought this outsider in that um, I think his residence is actually still in Oklahoma. It's kind of strange. All right. Great. Great. Okay, guys, hold your thoughts. We'll come back. Plus, I'll try to play back with uh, Lance Hines what he had to say about this sexual harassment lawsuit that he just kind of, uh, you know, said something about, and we couldn't get into it. Anyway, that's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show, but Rush is next. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show, 25 minutes until uh, 8 o'clock. Don't forget about PI Roofing. They would like you to give them a call if you have a roofing problem. Uh, you got some problems up uh, with your, your roof. You want to get that fixed because you start getting water in your home. Uh, it's going to destroy the drywall on your ceilings. It's going to get down in between your walls on your uh, drywall. And uh, then it dries up and it leaves uh, a kind of a Petri dish for a mold to grow on. 
and uh, you get black mold, it's the last thing you want in your home. And then what you had is a, a small uh, leak that can be fixed very easily by great pros at PI Roofing becomes a really bad situation where you start tearing out drywall to get rid of uh, black mold so that the health of your family or just of yourself is uh, protected. So you can get a hold of uh, PI Roofing by just calling them at 707-3551, 707-3551, or going on uh, the Internet at piroofing.com. You don't have to go to their office. You don't have to have them come out to your house. Uh, they don't need to have a face-to-face with you is what I'm trying to tell you. So your social distancing, that can all be taken care of. They get in your house. I'm sure they put on a mask. Uh, bottom line is you don't have to worry about you know COVID-19. Uh, the last thing you need to do is be worrying about your roof. Make sure that is stay, uh, kept in good uh, condition. Now's the time to do that. Uh, we've had copious amounts of rain uh, recently, over 200% more than we normally have at this time of year. But we're getting ready to go into a dry period. I've been checking out the weather for the uh, upcoming week, and it looks uh, sunny and dry every day with highs in the mid-80s. Now's the time to get the work done. So call PI Roofing. They're the pros. I know. I've used them before. My friends have used them. Businesses that I know the owners have used them. Uh, 707-3551, or give them a a shout-out at their website, piroofing.com. All right, on with us uh, right now, Robert Steinbach is here, legal professor, law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. Uh, His opinions are his and his alone, and not necessarily in any way, shape, or form, uh, you know, Bowen School of Law's opinion or the university. And Chris Corbett is here. He's an attorney and engineer. So uh, he is with us today as well. Guys, uh, last half hour, as we were talking about this, and if you just joined us, we're talking about the police chief uh, here in Little Rock. and, and there's some real push now for him to be removed from office and has been going on evidently for some time. Lance Hines from Dist- uh, Ward 5 uh, on the city council was on with me in the uh, 6.30 to 7 o'clock hour. And uh, he talked about how the city council has been going to the mayor and saying it's time for this guy to go. And then he let slip out uh, that there's more to this than just these lawsuits against the chief. And uh, here's what what Hines had to say. And there's an HR investigation going into sexual harassment claims against the chief right now that I've heard. I'm waiting to see the letter that was sent to the FOP representative that basically said, we're not going to interview any more witnesses that you told us about because we think they're going to say the same thing. And and we're, we're closing this investigation into sexual harassment. And so. I can't believe an HR professional would send that kind of letter out. You would never do that in the private sector. That That's begging for an EEOC uh, lawsuit against the city for failure to to uh, provide, you know, a hostile, you know, that, that goes to terms of not protecting people against the hostile workplace. All right. So that's what Lance Hines had to say. Now, that makes this triply bad. You understand, right? Oh, man, that sounds really bad. That's outside of the other four lawsuits. I guess that's something new. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a sexual harassment lawsuit through HR and a letter goes to the FOP. And I'll give my uh, my contacts at the FOP a call and see if I can get a copy of that letter. 
Yeah. I mean, so it's that just... Make, that make the fifth... That make a fifth investigation slash lawsuit. We got Finks suing the assistant chief, Folks suing, uh, Captain Paxton suing, Starks is suing, and that was the fifth one. <laughs> what, what, what other kind of writing on the wall do you need to see? Do you need to know? <laughs> well, here's the key. With that much smoke, I got to tell you, there's heat and there's fire there. Well, and, 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 you, and you, these guys are obviously um, agonized over their decision to sue their own employer. And still be currently employed. I mean, that's a that's a hard decision to, to make. It had to be something outrageous. They tried to probably work it out. It wasn't working out. They visited a lawyer. They got a case. The lawyer said, let me look at it. Yeah, you got a case. Let's file suit. Well, it's all about retribution. That's what's scary. Well, that is what's scary, exactly. I mean, that's the kind of workplace you don't want. You're talking about a hostile work environment. If you got a situation like that, and on top of it now, a sexual uh, harassment lawsuit, uh, and uh, the FOP sees a letter, and it's exactly what Lance Hines said, you would never do that in the civilian workplace because you're, you're, you're pleading for an EEOC investigation at that time. Is that not right, Robert? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you pick handled, up on that a little bit? Well, uh, Chris has handled some of those cases, in fact. Yeah, so it, it, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so it, you need to get a letter from the EEOC. That's the first thing you have to do to, before you can file suit. And then there's a time limit. That starts the, that starts the clock. And um, uh, when you get the EEOC letter, the right to sue, then um, you, get to go to, you get to go to court. Yeah, but what about EEOC getting involved? I mean, EEOC gets involved. Now you go up to a different level, correct? Yeah, well, there's two ways, as Chris points out, for the EEOC to get involved. If someone has a complaint, they file a complaint with the state. Um, you can file with the state or the federal, and they'll file for the alternative uh, EEOC. And they do uh, um, one of two things generally. Either they say, okay, we looked into it, but we are busy, so you can sue. And that's what Chris aptly points out is the right to sue letter. Sometimes they'll take over the case. They'll say, wow, there's so much here. We're going to take over the case. And then basically uh, it's over. <laughs> it's over at that point. Yeah, so that, if that's exactly right, right Rob. That's exactly right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. So they, sometimes they take on the case or – they they give you the letter that says, hey, look, go hire an attorney. You have 30 days to file suit. Wow. Mm-hmm. Through, the, through the, the Department of Labor. I mean, basically the, the, EEOC, the EEOC is a, is a uh, department, of, the department of Labor, right? So I don't even know uh, what, what it's out of in the federal government. That makes sense, but I don't know offhand. Yeah. Well, they're, looking, right. they're mainly looking for discrimination, race, color, religion, national origin, Age discrimination, stuff like that, disability, um, mm-hmm. and so that would be what they're looking at. It's just really wild, guys. I mean, we're talking major plumes of smoke going up from this guy's office, and the mayor yeah. is is turning his uh, his face away and acting like nothing's happening. That's what's really bizarre about this. I'm telling you, I've said this uh, for some time now, Dave. I don't know what this mayor is doing. Uh, This mayor is busy, uh, um, I think, uh, targeting uh, what he thinks are are his voters and uh, really ignoring the rest of his constituents. 
and to his peril. I think I mentioned to you recently that a neighbor of mine, and this is a seemingly small issue, but this is what mayors do, by the way, got a note when he put out some bulk trash. Oh, we're no longer picking up bulk trash regularly. You're going to have to pay after the first time. You're going to have to pay, I don't know, let's say $25 for every cubic yard. By the way, how do you even know? Right? Like, oh, well, that's a yard and a half, <laughs> whatever it was. So it's just more of this cutting services to the taxpayers uh, while uh, uh, trying to target uh, a constituency so that he can get reelected instead of serving the public overall. He put out recently, by the way, I said, did you see this? Oh, for the, for the remainder of the month, which is what, like an hour and a half? Uh, they're not going to uh, enforce the meters, the traffic meters, you know, the parking meters. Oh, well, thank you very much for the nickel and a half that you're saving me. The whole point of the traffic meters, by the way, historically, uh, are simply to allow rotation of parking spots so everybody gets their fair chance yep. to park on the street because we own the street. Uh, but cities have lost sight of that. They look at it as a revenue source. It's not supposed to be a revenue source. So he's giving us back our money when there's no need to rotate the funds in the first place. That should have been canceled from the get-go. So even on something that is seemingly good, he is too late. And then he said, oh, they're going to run it to the end of the month. End of the month? Let me look outside. That's about an hour from now. So uh, this mayor just seems to find every opportunity to miss an opportunity. All right, let's take a break. We're up against break. Chris Corbett is here. He is an attorney and engineer here in central Arkansas, lives over in Conway. Robert Steinbach is a law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect that of the school or of the university. Hey, what would you do with an extra $287,619 during your retirement? Well, I can tell you I can come up with a whole lot of things real quickly that I could spend that kind of money on. And that's how much a Little Rock couple could save in taxes with their IRA and 401K thanks to the tax planning strategies from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free Retirement Tax Analysis. If you've saved more than $250,000, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. Do you have an IRA? How about a 401k? Well, then you're going to get taxed on them. Learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. That number one more time, 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. We'll come back. Uh, We'll continue with our discussion about the chief of police here in Little Rock. In the next uh, half hour, we're going to pick up talking. uh, I don't know whether to talk about China. I'll let you guys make up your own minds on this. Should we talk about China or should we talk about Twitter? That's uh, two big topics to talk about here on the uh, the day. I just heard what uh, I just heard Chris. He said yes when I said Twitter. All right, so we'll be back in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay with us here on 101.1 FM, the answer, traffic and weather right now. Now, today I've been telling you that today is the last day 
in our uh, campaign to help save the children. And they concentrate and have been concentrating their efforts in the U.S. to give children the nutrition that they need daily. Uh, You know, a lot of these kids uh, with COVID-19 shut down and all of that have relied on their schools for their only nutrition that they get, breakfast and lunch. And they go home and no dinner at home, so they got to go through the night until they can get back to school the next day and uh, get a meal again. Uh, we're talking about kids, for the most part, uh, that are in the rural parts of our state. And Save the Children is uh, stepping in to provide these children with not only breakfast and lunch, but they're also giving them dinner as well. Well, today's the final day of the campaign, and for today only, your gift to save the children is increased tenfold. You've got to call this special toll-free number I'm going to give you in a moment, and uh, this is totally different from the numbers I've been giving you. This is a special number, and when you call this number and make your, your donation, they will increase it by tenfold. In other words, if you give a $50 uh you know, a gift, they'll bump it up to 500 bucks. If you have $100, it's 1000 If it's $25, it's 250 Just take, take your gift times, uh, you know, 10 Call right now. I don't wait until my show's over. Uh, call right now, 1-800-520-2649. That's 1-800-520-2649. 2649 or you can click on the banner on our website 101 point uh, just 1011fmtheanswer.com uh, there's a banner that says uh, save the children click on that and you can make your donation there this finishes up you got until midnight tonight so please call right now 1-800-520-2649 Seven minutes till eight, back with uh, uh, Robert and Chris. They join me every Friday from 7 o'clock in the morning until 8.30. Typically at 8.30, Matt Smith joins us. He will join us today at that time as uh, well. Guys, it's, uh, of course, always good to have you here. Chris Corbett is an attorney and engineer, and then Robert Steinbach is an attorney uh, and also a law professor at the Bowen School of Law. With that said, let's get back and finish up here uh, with this discussion. I wanted to bring up one more point uh, that Lance Hines brought up, and he brought it up and then he uh, discounted it. He said the Starks uh, situation, uh, he wonders if the uh, mayor reacted the way he did uh, because of what has happened uh, in the past in places like Ferguson, Missouri, and most recently what's going on right now in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, he discounted it by saying uh, totally different situations, totally different situations. Uh, th- this guy had a gun. This guy wasn't uh, following lawful orders. This guy was a menace uh, to the community. And what Starks did, though, it, bro- it broke a parameter of law, evidently, in that he stepped in front of the car as this guy was trying to escape and shot him through the windshield. Bottom line, 
uh, he probably did the community uh, some good. He saved them from a, 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 an outlaw, so to speak. Uh, but the, do you think that that may somehow, now Minnesota couldn't have played in the mayor's mind, but could Ferguson may have played in his mind that he didn't want that kind of situation on his hands, even though he had irrefutable video evidence that what happened was the officer uh, was protecting himself and the community. I that the mayor was playing politics. He was more worried about optics than he was about substance. He drew his own conclusion as to the <clears throat> guilt, shall we say, of Starks, rather than letting the process uh, run through. It's clear, it's not even in dispute, that he told those senior officers that are charged with reviewing the behavior, the actions of Starks, that he wanted an answer uh, before the amount of time was sufficient to actually evaluate what had occurred. He hired this uh, police chief, uh, and uh, the police chief is incumbent uh, to the mayor, and he no doubt spoke with the police chief. And sure enough, moments uh, later, after the police chief got the report not recommending termination, of Starks. The police chief uh, terminated Starks. So uh, I think the mayor had been playing politics all along in this process. And this is the problem, Dave. The problem is when you're unable or unwilling to distinguish cases like the Starks case from cases like the Minneapolis case where uh, it, it, it greatly appears, I'm trying to think of an even stronger word, that this cop in Minneapolis downright killed, well, there's no doubt that he killed, but downright murdered that victim. He is sitting with his knee on the neck of a handcuffed um, individual. Suspect, yeah. Suspect, thank you. Well, what, what's the justification for that? He's a guy. None. Flashing. None. Right. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and so that's the problem, uh, that when you're unable to distinguish bad behavior by police from good behavior by police, and good behavior by police may include the use of deadly force. That's why they have guns, you see, Dave. Uh, you obviously well know. Yeah. I understand that, but bottom line is, you know, people are are really reacting uh, totally defensively, it seems to me, in any situation like this, because uh, people are acting illogically and irrationally uh, after something like this happens. In fact, they're they're reacting and taking advantage of the situation uh, to loot to burn, uh, to act like absolute idiots. And we'll talk about that uh, as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now, we're up against the wall for news. Let's do that. Robert and Chris are back with us in the next half hour. Number one subject, we're going to talk about Twitter, the president and his battle with Twitter. That's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show.
The talk show host of Badassery right here on 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. Because we're willing to take on a lot of subjects that other people will not take on. You know, they'll take on subjects that they feel like they can stir the pot and it won't make a difference. But it'll get people all riled up and they'll, they'll start calling in and say whatever is on their mind. We talk about the important issues that are facing us. And we got a couple of this uh, next half hour that are really important. Before we go to Twitter, guys, I think we need to talk a little bit about Minneapolis. Because what we saw happen in Minneapolis, uh, let's put it this way. You know, Chris is bigger than Robert, and I'm bigger than Robert. Robert is, uh, you know, smaller, doesn't weigh as much. But when I was going to school, we would it's call him. I weigh 98 pounds wet, Dave. Okay, well, we, we, would call you, we would call you a wiry kind of guy, you know. Uh, wiry. You know, that, you grab hold of and, that and, and get electrocuted. Wire. Yeah, and get yourself electrocuted. That's what we would exactly. say. But anyway, let's say that uh, Robert uh, made a citizen's arrest and he had uh, the perpetrator on the ground and uh, he had he carried around uh, a, a pair of fur covered uh, uh, handcuffs and he put the handcuffs. <laughs> How do you know about that? Dave? <laughs> and put, Who told put, you that? <laughs> And put the hand, put the handcuffs. Yes, it is. Put the handcuffs on the guy, and then holding him down, had his hand in his pocket. The guy's not struggling, but he's got his knee firmly on the guy's neck, and he's using his all ninety-eight wet pounds uh, to press to press down on this guy. And he does so for over seven minutes, and the guy dies. Now, here's my question for my listeners. Do you think they would let Robert go home under his own recognizance, or do you think that they would arrest him and put him in jail for uh, doing uh, you know, a complete overreaction and maybe even charging him with second-degree murder? With that question going up first, Chris Corbett is here. He's an attorney and engineer. And, Chris, you watched this video as I have. What are your yes. thoughts? Well, first of all, I was, I was sickened by it. Uh, and then I became outraged um, just watching this man struggling underneath. First, he's handcuffed. He's laying on his belly. He's not a threat. The officer's got his hand in his pocket with his knee. He's resting one hand on the police car, one hand in his pocket. His entire weight is on his knee on the back of the guy's neck. And the guy's struggling for about 30 seconds, and then, he, and then he passes out. And then the guy doesn't relent. The officer continues to hold him down. It's, it's, it literally infuriated me. And I thought, you know, if I was standing there as a bystander, 
it would have taken everything I had not to bum rush the officer to knock him off of him. And then I would have been in trouble or maybe shot. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it's hard for the, but they had officers standing around with guns. So it's not like you're going to be able to do really do something about it, but it was outrageous. The behavior was completely outrageous and the cops should be arrested without a doubt that they're even debating this or having to call for that action. It's outrageous. And well, here's this- the thing. When you watch something and you know that if it was done by just a, a citizen, it had his yeah. butt thrown into jail. A police officer is not above the law. No, he's not. No, he's not. And and they they've got to take some quick action. And because they're sitting around with their thumbs up their butt doing nothing, watching and waiting to see some wait for someone else to do something, it's just it just makes it worse. And the protesters, you know, they're they they are justifiably outraged, but they're not justified in in breaking the law. No, they they don't have the right to set other businesses and homes on fire, nor can they shoot people uh, like they did in Louisville. And and you know it's just it's I understand why people of any color would watch that and and not be incensed by it. I mean it's yeah. it and that's then, not what they're supposed to do. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah it's outrageous. Dave. The facts are the facts are going to show that the guy had some sort of counterfeit 20 allegedly is a counterfeit $20 bill. That's correct. Yeah. And he was trying to pass off a, buy something at the store. The store owner said that's counterfeit. He called the police on him and the guy was sitting in his car outside the store. Um, And at that point, the cop from an investigation standpoint, arrested him immediately without asking questions. Um, There's two videos. There is a gap in the video and whether or not, George Floyd may have struggled or not. He was handcuffed and was not posing a threat. He looks to be a little bit uh, lethargic. He doesn't seem to <clears throat> seem to be moving around like a normal, like like may have been on drugs or something. But that even goes even further to the guy wasn't a threat. You know, he wasn't he wasn't at his full um, didn't have his his uh, his brain fully intact, right? But still, the guy was no threat, and the officer simply murdered him. Pinning him yeah. down with his knee. I got you. Your, what's your thoughts on all of this, Robert? Have you watched the video? I'm afraid to watch it. I mean, that sincere. Chris told me about the incident uh, before yeah. I had even heard about it, and I read several articles on it. One of them has a link directly to the vi- video, and I'm afraid to watch the video. People might say, well, how can you not watch the video and then comment on it? Well, let me tell you how I can do that. First of all, I read the article. Second of all, I talked to you folks. Uh, and third of all, I'm not on a jury. Uh, but the, the, uh, if you tell me that someone's handcuffed and the police officer has his knee on that person's neck uh, and there's no other circumstance, and it would have to be an amazingly circumstance to justify the guy having his knee on the guy's neck, it's prima facie wrong. Moreover, I, they showed a picture, a still picture in the newspaper of the guy with his knee on the victim's neck and the cop has his hands in his pocket. There's no emergency yep. if you got your hands in your pocket. Sorry. That's right. Sorry, no emergency. What's he doing? You know, He's doing you know, something so dangerous yeah. that you're busy checking where your keys are? Nope. No dice. Yeah. It, it harken, the video harkens back to a, an awful video um, back in the, the days of renting VHS tapes, it's faces of death. 
you, you watch somebody get murdered on the video, and it's not pleasant. It's not something that uh, anybody needs to be watching. It's awful. Yeah, I uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. That was uh, a big thing back in the day uh, to watch people die. I don't un- exactly understand that, but, you know, there was Mondo Kane and all kinds of stuff that came out during that time. But, uh, yeah. this, you know, this is – I want to see how this all – all plays out. It would seem to me that this doesn't take a long time. This guy should be arrested. You know, I mean, if you want to arrest him and then, uh, you know, give him some kind of bond that he can get out of jail, I don't have any problem with that. That That's the legal system. But I do have problem that you're not willing to even say, well, yeah, we think he did something wrong. That really bothers me. Yeah, and then, Dave, on top of all that is, is justice delayed? Is justice denied? Yes, that's, that's right. What's going on here? Get on it. Get on it quick. Yeah, I I do agree with that uh, as well. But that's a story we'll keep our eye on uh, as uh, more information becomes available. We'll take it up uh, again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I, I want everybody to understand what happened to this individual was wrong. It was criminal. And I'll leave it at that. But on, with the same breath, I have to say, for what the rioters did, uh, under the auspices of we're out doing this because you killed this guy, uh, is wrong as well. And, and in fact, takes away from the tragedy uh, that has occurred. With that said, let's get our break in at uh, 8.15. We'll do that right now so you guys can have your traffic and weather. When we come back. I know that Chris is all about this. He wants to talk about the president and Twitter. We'll find out where he stands on this when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we are into the last segment of the Dave Ellswick Show here uh, for a Friday. Uh, Before I go any further... I want to remind you that today's the last day in our campaign to save the children. And what's happening today with Save the Children? Uh, With school being out, a lot of these kids, the way they get fed uh, is that they go to school and they get breakfast and lunch. They don't get dinner a lot of times when they go home, but at least they get two meals. Well, Save the Children during this time has been feeding them three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And today being the final day of our uh, the campaign for uh, Save the Children, when you call the number I'm going to give you here just in a second, uh, the money that you give will be multiplied by 10 times. In other words, if you give, uh, let's say you give a $10 gift, it'll be worth now $100, $25,250, $50,500. I don't have to keep going up and up and up for you. You get the message here. So make your donation today because we end at midnight today would you call 1-800-520-2649 and uh, make your donation that number again 1-800-520-2649 or if you'd like you can go to 101fmtheanswer.com click on the banner that says uh uh, save the children and uh, make your donation. Again, if you don't want to go to the website, call 1-800-520-2649. Uh, 
All right, back to uh, Robert and to Chris. Now, Robert, you said uh, you guys both have gone back and looked at the picture, or at least Robert has. We had somebody text us and said, look, it doesn't, if you look real closely, because the police officer is wearing black gloves, he doesn't have his hand in his pocket, is on his thigh, because he's got, uh, got his uh, uh, gloves on, those black gloves against his uh, dark uniform pants it looks like he's got his hand in his pocket he doesn't we've looked at the picture robert you say our uh, yeah. our our person yeah, looks, who called us uh, is the, right the uh, caller uh, uh, the listener of your show dave may indeed be correct because if you look closely that could be a black glove rather than his hand disappearing in the pocket and uh, as I pointed out before the break, if indeed the guy had his hand in, in the pocket, that is overwhelming evidence of no um, threat by the individual in handcuffs. That doesn't mean in the absence of it that the guy was a threat, but it was evidence to support the claim that he was no threat. And if indeed the guy's hands are not in his pocket, obviously that is not evidence uh, for that claim. And I appreciate that caller letting us know of that fact. Because it does appear in close inspection that it's not 100% clear, but it appears that, in fact, it may be that the cop is wearing black gloves, so his hand is outside his pocket. So if that's the case, I cannot make that claim that that is evidence that the person was not a threat. Of course, the guy's listless body is evidence that he was not a threat, uh, but that... Uh, is a different piece of evidence, and we can discuss that or not, uh, you know, separately. Yeah, well, I will and just say, here's my thing on that. You don't put your knee down on a uh, suspect's neck for seven minutes with your full body weight. And uh, because, look, if you use a pressure hold like that in wrestling, and I'm not talking about wrestling, I'm just talking about wrestling, Romo Greco, A person will pass out. You're cutting off their blood flow to their brain when you do that because you're on their carotid artery. And, uh, you know, seven minutes, this guy knows that he can't can't do that. He's been trained. I I think I heard that this guy was, what, a 19-year veteran? So uh, it's not like this was probably his first rodeo about taking a, a suspect into custody. But... We'll wait for more information to come out, and we're going to talk about it again. This is something I, I won't let go, just to let you know. But I want to get to Twitter. So Chris was, like, clapping with glee when I said I wanted to talk about, about <laughs> Twitter. Okay, so why, are, why does this uh, fire you up so much, uh, Chris? Well, one, um, the government doesn't have much to say other than its regulations about free speech, right, in, right. Uh, on a private company. So Prager University has gone down that road with, with Google and YouTube uh, censoring some of their their videos. And uh, unfortunately, and maybe you can look at it both ways, uh, it's a private company. And if you don't like it, go start your own platform. Now, the, the opposing argument is, well, once these platforms become so ubiquitous, uh, they think that you shouldn't be able to regulate speech on a such a ubiquitous platform. That's that's the argument that it's become so commonplace, that it's become so uh, um, used by everybody that it should be regulated. But this this harkens back to 1787, 1776, when you had a a billboard 
posted up in downtown Philadelphia, right? So now the billboard is just digital, and it's available worldwide. Um, what would what would happen if Twitter moved its uh, its its headquarters to uh, to say England? Is is can the government then um, can the United States government then try to shut down or or regulate Twitter? There, there's the free market's got to come into play here, and um, if if people don't like Twitter and they don't want to go on Twitter because they put out some sort of fact check, what they're calling a fact check, um, then then so be it. But um, the, the, the now on the flip side, the government does have some um, measures it can do. They they passed and the Clinton signed the Digital Millennium Copyright Protection Act to protect the internet. So if somebody put it put up copyright material, the the web provider would not be liable. And they have a something called a DMC takedown notice that a copyright holder can go out there and get stuff taken down. But that's kind of you know it kind of goes back to um, what if if you've got somebody slandering you or libeling you um, on the internet, then you have a private right of action just because they've got a, their identity is is not disclosed. They're able to anonymously post something on a website. You've got a way to find out who that person is, and a person can have a private right of action if they put a false story out there that damages you. In Arkansas, if you, you know, there's a there's a pro se defamation. If you impugn the chastity of a woman, you if you call a woman a whore on an internet on the internet, then um, you've got a private right of action um, through defamation, and the DMCA allows you to find out who that anonymous poster may be. So the, there, there's no new laws that need to be passed. There's, you know, we need to stick to the Constitution here. If it's unconstitutional, if you're worried about free speech, the first question to ask yourself is, is it a government actor? And the answer to that question with Google and Twitter is no and YouTube. It's not a government actor. So your constitutional analysis ends right there with, re, with, with an analysis of whether or not free speech is being violated. And um, the president, not being a lawyer, being a smart guy, a great business guy, um, he's going to maybe uh, bring it to the forefront by issuing an executive order, which is completely his right to do. Now, whether or not that executive order violates the law, we'll find out. But it well, yeah, because the, the, the courts are yeah. going to get involved in this immediately yes. uh, with right. the president getting involved in it. But I think the president's just kind of playing this smart guys. And we got about a min- about two minutes left. Uh, I think what he's doing is bringing it to the forefront and forcing since two thirty is part of a, a huge act, a big uh, uh, legislative act that Congress passed. I think this is his way to say, hey, guys, you need to go back and look at this Section 230, and is it necessary? It may have been necessary when it was passed, but is it necessary now? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're, you're, you're 230, I think that should be repealed. Uh, the fact yeah. is that some of these Internet providers say, oh, well, you see, we're not involved, uh, and so we shouldn't be held li- liable for libel. Those are spelled differently, right? L-I-A-B-L-E is liability. Libel is defamation, yeah. L-I-B-E-L. Uh, they said we shouldn't be held responsible for the latter, libel, uh, because we're just a platform. Well, here's your proof, Dave. They ain't just a platform. They are monitoring, restricting controlling yes. uh, the speech on that platform. <clears throat> and as such, they are a publisher. 
publishers That's right. have always been responsible for defamation. The same way you are, Dave. The same way I am, Dave. Same way Chris is, Dave. So the fact is that these plat- so-called, let me be clear, so-called platforms ain't just platforms. They are editing content, and as such, they should be held to the same level of responsibilities and not uh, as everyone else, as you, I, and Chris are, and not be given this get-out-of-jail-free card that they currently have because they have the money and the power to have a law specially enacted to give them an exemption. They should be held at the same level that you and I are. They bought off Congress years ago through uh, big industry, and it's not fair. Uh, the laws need to apply to everybody the same. All right, so uh, maybe I'll have you guys back on Monday just to talk about this in the 8 o'clock hour. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get in touch with you after the show. Right now i got to go uh, to the Internet because here's Sean Hannity. All right, uh, I've already been starting uh, setting up guests for next week. Uh, we all know that it, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the players and the owners are are wrangling about whether they're going to have a shortened season or not. Well, that's fine and dandy, but what does that mean for the Travelers, for example? Well, we'll find out Wednesday uh, on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show because uh, uh, Lance is going to be coming on uh, to talk about it at 7 o'clock on Wednesday uh, and uh, let you know what you probably can expect uh, for the future for the traveler. So we're going to do that. Monday, Alice Stewart's going to join us uh, from D.C. We'll be talking to her. Uh, Alice will have some insights, I'm sure, uh, about the Twitter fight, uh, the whole China fight that's going on. The China thing with Hong Kong is really affecting uh, the uh, stock market uh, the last two days uh, stopped a big rally that was going on. That's too bad. But uh, I think that's just another step on China knew that would happen. And I think, uh, you know, they, they, they leashed this COVID-19 on the world. It screwed up our economies. And uh, they're trying to be the, the big boy on the block. So bottom line is, Time to put our foot down. Got to do. We, we used to have to do that with the Soviet Union. Now we got to do it with communist China. That's just the bottom line. Matt Smith is here with us now, uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, it, it's good to have you back with us, Matt. Now Matt owns uh, uh, theaters, movie theaters in Hot Springs, in Little Rock, in Cabot up in Searcy and over in Batesville. He is the only movie theaters that are open right now. Now, because there's not a lot of uh, product out there from Hollywood, uh, there's, uh, you know, they're not uh, putting out their movies and they're moving their movies back. They broke my heart this week when they made this statement that uh, they're going to move uh, Godzilla versus King Kong back to May of next year. So I got to wait more multiple months for the movie that I was really waiting for for this year. I mean, it was the number one movie I wanted to see this year. Uh, But for Matt, opening up again and and not really having anything new to show, Matt, how's it going uh, for uh, the VIP cinemas right now? Hey, glad to be open, Uh, you know, glad to be out there. You know, we've got tickets for just $5 right now. So right. You can come out and see a movie and sit in those big, plush, luxury leather electric recliners with tables. 
you know, and reserve seating for just $5. And, of course, uh, we're running uh, deeply discounted concession specials on popcorn, candy, and soda. Uh, You know, we also serve beer and wine. And, of course, we have a full food menu. Um, Yeah, we've got some great films on. We have some new movies on, like uh, Trolls World Tour. Uh, We're playing that. A new movie just came out today called The High Note. Uh, and it was released to uh, drive-ins and the theaters that uh, are open uh, across the country. Uh, we've got a few across America that are open, and the drive-ins are opening up. So that's a new film, The High Note. That's playing. And then, uh, you know, we're playing uh, some huge blockbuster hits. Uh, Forrest Gump is on. Uh, we're playing Jurassic Park, uh, The Goonies, uh, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, we have Wizard of Oz playing. And then uh, from this spring, uh, we still have movies like uh, I Still Believe, uh, Bloodshot, Invisible Man, and uh, The Hunt. Uh, Those are still playing. So uh, those are all on the screen. Uh, And you can hit the website at the uh, theaters uh, for that information, Riverdale10.com, or or uh, for Little Rock, Riverdale10.com, at CerseCinema.com in Cersei, Hot Springs VIP Cinema. Uh, in uh, Hot Springs, that's hotspringsvip.com. Uh, in Baseful, we're oaksvipcinema.com. And then uh, in Cabot, we are cabotvipcinema.com. And uh, all the theaters are open. That's what we're playing. I think I mentioned everything. I may not have mentioned The Hunt. The Hunt is also playing, which is on in the spring. So we've got a mix of um, big Hollywood blockbusters, true classics, and then some uh, movies that were released uh, back in March. Yeah, now The Hunt, that was a movie that was supposed to be released to theaters uh, several months back. Uh, now, I think this is the right movie, but it was it was pulled because uh, they said that it, it was a movie that showed uh, conservatives being hunted down by liberals. Is is that the movie we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same film. Um, I, you know, the film wasn't pulled. Uh, they just delayed the release date. Okay, uh, changed the day they were going to release the uh, release the 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 movie. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes uh, breaking news. Change the decision that they're going yeah, to make. Yeah, there was a story going on at that moment, and I forget what it was, and it made them move the movie. I, I remember yep, that. Yeah, unfortunately they do that, but I think that, you know, most Americans understand the difference between fiction and news. I would sure uh, hope so. <laughs> you know, we, we, wonder, we wonder about Hollywood's decisions sometimes, but um, we'll, have, uh, we'll have a film called The Mighty Oak. Uh, which is coming out on June the 5th, and that is being that is a brand-new film that's being released to uh, drive-ins and the movie theaters that are open across the country. We'll have that on June the 5th. Uh, and on June the 12th, we will have uh, The King of Staten Island. Uh, so that's coming up June the 12th. So i uh, got some new stuff hitting the screen, and, of course, we'll keep these classics going. Um, you know, we're just discounted concession prices, discounted tickets. Um, the goal is to let our staff get back to work and, of course, give people something to do. You know, so I was really, I was really disappointed that Disney came out, and uh, I was looking forward to uh, Artemis Fowl. I mean, it, it was kind of a movie that was uh, that Disney had that I don't think it had gotten a lot of traction uh, with people saying, "Yeah, that's a movie I got to see." And I think that's why they decided not to put it in the theaters and stream it on Disney Plus. You think that I'm right on that? 
Well, the, the issue now is, you know, there are a lot of films uh, that are waiting to be released to theaters that are major blockbuster films. Yeah. Uh, in a normal release calendar, you would have room for a film like uh, like Artemis Fowl. Uh, you could get it in there. You could pick out a good Friday to to open the film, uh, and it would get some screen time, and and, and so people would turn out. Uh, now, by under no circumstances did anyone expect Artemis Fowl to be a big blockbuster film, but it would right. be something that you would play, and it would certainly get an audience under normal conditions. What's happened now is you've got a lot of blockbusters that are in the pipeline, and these films are ready to go. And they are going to start opening up in July. And pretty much uh, from mid-July to the end of the year, there are just massive tentpole, over-the-top movies. I mean, the calendar is just loaded with uh, major motion pictures to finish out from July 17th to um, the end of 2020. And with that being the case, a small motion picture like Artemis Fowl would just be lost uh, in the shuffle. And and that's, sure. that's the decision behind that. Um, you know, it, it's um, those blockbusters are going to get screen counts when things get uh, get back to rolling in mid July. Yeah, so we're we're going to be interested. I'm going to be interested to see. You know, there there are so many movies that have that have been made. You know this that mm-hmm. uh, are going to have a hard time being seen. I mean, they're good movies. They're they're what would be called an art house movie. And unless they think that it's going to draw a lot of eyeballs uh, and have a chance, they're not going to put it out on theaters. And you can't put it in theaters because there's going to be movies like Wonder Woman and whatever coming out that are going to take all the screens up. Well, two things have happened. You've got a lot of major motion pictures that are strong box office films um, that, that need screens, and those those release dates have been pushed. The other thing that's happened is um, uh, production has been halted. So since right. production has been halted, they'll have to get back up and running. These, film that, these films that you're talking about will find screens as the calendar moves forward. You know, there are movies from 2020 that have been moved into 2021. Yes. Uh, 2021 uh, has the potential to be the strongest box office year in the history of movie going. (laughs) I mean, 2021 was already loaded with film. Before this happened, 2021 had better films than 2020. Now a lot of the top 2020 hits have moved to 2021. So, I mean, it is just unreal how many films are loaded into that year. So, no, I think the movies you're talking about will be able to find screens uh, because of these production delays, uh, the calendar is just getting shifted. Um, you know, for, for people to, to sit back and think that film studios want to play their movies in people's houses is uh, dumb. Uh, no, I agree with that. Business. Yeah, they, don't, they yeah. don't understand the business. You've got to have that avenue of revenue from theatrical box office exhibition to have movies like the new James Bond film, the new Wonder Woman film, Mulan from Disney, Black Widow, Tenet, July 17th from Warner Brothers. You've got to put those movies into theaters uh, across the world to have that avenue of revenue, uh, or you won't have huge movies like that made anymore. 
All right, so when we come back, i got to get a break in here, Matt. When we come back, I want you to talk, because the movie business is just not about the United States anymore. I mean, it's about, uh, you know, the whole world. And so, uh, but, you know, America still is the place to show your your film. But China is is a, a strong second. Let's talk about what's going on in China, and is that going to affect, uh, you know, movie dumb and uh, and even if all the theaters open up here in the United States, how many theaters are going to open up in the rest of the world? I want to talk about all that with you uh, when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Talking about movies like we always do on Friday, uh, that's an important thing that we like to talk about because you know me. I'm a big cinephile. That means I love movies. That's all that means. Just a, a 50-cent word that says Dave Ellswick loves movies, and I do. And so we'll come back and finish up our conversation with Matt Smith. He is the uh, owner operator, main bottle washer for the uh, cinemas in uh, Hot Springs, Little Rock, Cabot, Searcy, and in Batesville. Today, again, let me, final time, I'm going to remind you about this. This is the last day in our campaign to save the children. And what Save the Children is doing, they're, they're, they're working hard here in the United States to give children uh, the meals they need daily because a lot of children rely on schools. Believe it or not, we'll rely on our schools for the only nutrition that they get during the day, which is usually breakfast and lunch. Then they go home, uh, typically not a warm meal offered to them uh, later in the day. Uh, and that's a terrible thing. I, I hate hearing about that, that there's parents out there who don't make sure that their kids eat uh, well, we're talking about children that are in the really rural parts of Arkansas. And Save the Children is stepping in children with not only breakfast and lunch, but also dinner. Now, right now, they've got, for the last day of this campaign, a very special event. I'm going to give you a number in just a second, and you've got to use that number, okay? Uh, when you call in and you, and you give some money to save the children, I mean, you give $10, 25 50 100 whatever you want to give, give uh, 10000 if you want. But the bottom line is they will multiply it by 10. So if you gave $10, now you're given 100. If you give 25, now you're given 250. That's the way it works. Here's the number you got to call because you got to call the right number. And it's 1-800-520-2649. 1-800-520-2649. Help feed some kids today. I mean, if you don't have a lot to give, that's all right. They're going to multiply it by 10. So today, you can give a lot of money by giving a small amount of money. And uh, you can do this on the Internet as well. Uh, go to 1011fmtheanswer.com. You'll see a banner there for Save the Children. Click on it. You can make your donation there. But uh, you can call 1-800-520-2649. That's 1-800-520-2649. They're timing your gift by 10 up to midnight tonight. Keep that in mind. Save the children. Final break and then back for our final segment for the week with Matt Smith here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we've got one segment left, seven minutes. 
Let's come back and let's talk to Matt Smith. He's our special guest. Matt owns all the VIP cinemas that you see around the areas in Hot Springs here at at Riverdale 10 and Little Rock. You know, Cabot VIP Cinema, Searcy VIP Cinema. You go over to Batesville, he's got a VIP Cinema there. uh, And he just continues to expand his world domination. He is a a movie uh, version of Starbucks. When they start, you're cracking it off. me up. You're cracking just, me up. This <laughs> just letting you know. Anyway, let's go back and, and let's discuss again. Uh, um, American theaters are basically talking about overall getting underway again in July. But my question is this: Okay, so America gets underway. What about the rest of the world? What What are we hearing from the rest of the world uh, as far as this is concerned, oh, well, uh, you, Matt? You got a You've got a lot of places out there that are up and running, and you've got some places that didn't shut down. Uh, Sweden never closed. Uh, you know, Denmark never shut down. Uh, Belarus, Czechoslovakia, a lot of those countries in Europe um, are showing movies now. They're up and running. Uh, some theaters over there didn't close. Uh, of course, Japan is showing movies. They never closed. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you when you turn on the news, you know, all they talk about is uh, Italy and Spain, where there was yeah. a lot of death, right? right? They don't discuss the people who got it right. So a lot of a lot of cinemas in Europe have been open. Uh, you know, they're showing movies in Norway. You know, like I said, they never closed movie cinemas in Belarus or Sweden or a few other places. So there's a lot of places that are currently showing movies now, and those tend to open later with a lot of American films. So they've got some films from the United States that came out in the first three months of, of operation in America, January, February, March, that have never played in those countries. Those are new releases in those nations. They're up and showing movies. Um, okay. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of cinemas that, that are already open across the country. Sadly, we never heard about um, those countries in, in, in Europe that, that got it right. Uh, all that was pushed on the news here was Italy, Spain, and uh, England, you know, where they were struggling. You know. Okay, so last question on this. With all of this going on with China, I mean, we're very close to moving in to a, a new Cold War. I mean, I remember the Cold War with Russia. We're moving into a Cold War with China. It's very evident to me that that's yeah, happening. Yeah, I, I agree. We're about 30 years late on that, but I guess yeah. we're finally going to so, get started. Yeah. So what might happen to the movie industry and their love affair uh, with China, because their love affair is they got a huge audience over there they can reach. True. You know, that's that's hard to predict. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it would be good for the American moviegoer. Um, I, I like genre-specific films. I like films that tell a serious story. Uh, I like films that don't just shot, shotgun, scatterblast, try to hit every person walking on Earth, right? Yeah. I think if we made films... A little more tailored to specific audiences, the quality of films would improve, right? right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, ha- you know, I want to see Godzilla versus King Kong as much as you do, right? But <laughs> I don't right? know if that's true or not. But I'm no, just I mean, I, I do want to see the film. But, yeah. but I think, I think if you if you had to look at your audience different, you would have better storytelling. See. So, right. so, you know, you're, you're trying to take something like, uh, you know, the Avengers and make it for every person alive on Earth. Right. And that makes it that makes it a little difficult to develop characters, you know. Right. So, so I, I don't necessarily see that as a negative. I think it'd be good for the quality of film and the quality of storytelling. 
Okay. I, I really do. I really do. All right, so what are the biggest movies we should be watching for in July? We're down to three minutes to go. Unhinged uh, from Solstice Studios with Russell Crowe comes out July 1st. There's a film called Greenland, July 10th from STX Films. It stars Uh Gerald Butler. Uh, Of course, Tenet from Warner Brothers. Massive motion picture July 17th. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And uh, Mulan from Disney, July 24th. All right. Mark your calendar for those, and next week I'll talk to him. Since we'll be into June, we'll we'll remember uh, those films, and then we'll uh, have Matt tell you what to be looking for as far as uh, August goes. With all that said, Matt, I'm going to have you. I'll call you back. We'll have you back on here uh, this uh, next week to spend an hour with me and and. Matt likes to talk politics like I do, and uh, he likes to talk local politics like I do. And we'll have him back on to talk about what happened uh, up in, in Minneapolis and, uh, and, and how what's going on in Little Rock uh, is uh, a mirror, kind of a mirror image a little bit about what's going up and what led into uh, the Minneapolis debacle that happened over the last few days. With that said, Matt, have a great week. It's going to be wonderful out there saying well, sunny, dry, and a high of 83 to 87. you got to love it. And, hey, if you want to watch a movie, all of our tickets are just 5 bucks, guys. It's Riverdale10.com. All right. You go there and get your tickets today. I will have Matt back on later this week. Matt, have a good one. Thank we'll you. talk to you. All right. Bye-bye now. Matt Smith here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget Monday, our special guest, Alice Stewart, will be joining me again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And don't forget about Wednesday. Uh, Lance is going to be on from the Travelers, tell you what the future of the Travs is. On Tuesday, we're going to have Senator Bozeman on here on the Dave Ellswick Show.